Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Reading from Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That was a powerful clip before, uh, probably a more accurate uh, portrayal than perhaps our Christmas nativities uh, would present. But the men in this story were on a search. Some translations call them wise men. Uh, the NIV version from which I've read this morning probably more accurately calls them Magi. Now, Magi is a Persian word, and it's kind of hard to get an accurate uh, translation into English. But if you put a C at the end of Magi, you get the word magic, and uh, there's a clue in that for us, because these men were schooled in the magic arts. Most historians and theologians would agree that these men were astrologers. Now, astrology was widely practiced back in the day, still widely practiced in the world today. Just pick up a newspaper and you'll find your horoscope. Uh, astrology is the study of the movement of the stars uh, and the way the planets align and all that sort of stuff. And uh, its supposed impact on human life and behavior. And in particular, of particular importance, uh, is the position of the stars at the time that you were born or a person is born. So these men most likely were astrologers. They came from the east, either Persia or Babylon. Today, Persia is the nation of Iran and Babylon is the nation of Iraq. And they had read in the stars about the birth of a king. They followed a particular star and they arrive in Jerusalem. When they got to Jerusalem, 
they probably asked the question, well, where do we start searching? And right then, in that moment, these wise men did probably what's the stupidest thing that you could do, is that they went and asked the current king where the new king was to be born. Now understand, um, a new king doesn't get to be king until the old king is dead. So you don't go asking the current king where the new king is. But they went and knocked on the door and they said, where is the new king to be born? And predictably, it says in verse 3, when Herod heard this, he was disturbed when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked them whether Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So here is Herod in his palace. Some strangers knock on the door and they say, where is this new king of the Jews to be born? Now, here is a really interesting thing. Herod calls in the scribes, the learned men, the theologians, and he asks them the question, where is the Messiah to be born? And they actually knew the answer. And they quoted from the writings of Micah in our Old Testament. And they quoted something that was written about 750 years earlier, Micah 5 and 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, although you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And what these wise men discovered is... The thing that they were searching for was not actually something new. The newborn king did not come out of nowhere and take everybody by surprise. These men, these men from the east were actually stepping into the greatest story in all of history that had actually been written about centuries before it even began to happen. And we've got to know, friends, that Jesus didn't come out of nowhere. The Christmas story actually does not begin with the birth of Jesus. I believe in the Old Testament there are about 333 prophecies written about Jesus. Old Testament writings that were finished 400 years before Jesus was even born. And can I tell you the chances of 333 prophecies about one person all coming true are so great there's not even a number to represent it. We are talking about odds that are less than one in a trillion. Imagine if I asked you to write your name on the back of a post-it note. And then we covered the whole state of Tasmania in post-it notes. And then I said, now choose one in the hope that it'll be the one that you wrote your name on the back of. Those odds are way better than 333 prophecies about one person coming true. But here's the thing. They all came true. 
I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. So let's unpack that just for a few minutes. These wise men arrived in Bethlehem looking for a child, but statistically a new baby could just as easily have been a girl. So there's the first probability. It's only about 50% chance the baby could have been a boy. But what about the fact that he was born in Bethlehem? Out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler of my people, Israel. That was written 750 years before the event. And the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, humanly speaking, is a total fluke. Because Joseph and Mary did not live in Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth, which is about 110 miles to the north. They were only in Bethlehem for a few days because Caesar had ordered a census and Joseph's family had originally come from there. So they went down to Bethlehem for the date of the census. And when they arrived there, there were no beds available and they had to be put up in a stable beside an inn. And that was the very night the baby was born. If he'd been born a few days earlier, he would likely have been born in Samaria. If he had been born a few weeks later, he would have been back in Nazareth because they had only come to Bethlehem for the census. So the probability of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, naturally speaking, is so slim. But 750 years before, it was written that you, Bethlehem, in Judea, in the land of Judah, out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. And when Herod calls in his lawyers, when he calls in his scribes, when he calls in his learned men and his theologians, he says, where's the Messiah to be born? They know the answer because they know the prophecies. He is to be born in Bethlehem. Here it is. Micah wrote about it 750 years ago. So 50-50, it's a boy or a girl. Born in Bethlehem, statistically, the odds start to get a little bit thin. Not only that, but Herod had said to these men, when you find the baby, come back to Jerusalem on your way home and tell me where he is that I too will go and worship him. Now, Herod had no intention of worshipping him. Herod wanted to get rid of him. But the wise men were then warned in a dream, don't go back to Jerusalem because Herod will kill him. So they went home another way and Herod ordered the death of all the young boys in Bethlehem. Joseph was also warned of this. And so he took Mary and the baby Jesus and headed in the opposite direction down to Egypt. We read this in verse 13 of Matthew 2. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Egypt, stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. He got up took the child and his mother during the night and they left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. Then the next verse, and I, sorry, Josh, I don't think I've got it in, on the screen, but the next verse says this, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said to the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. Now this is Matthew writing those words 800 years, uh, sorry, after this event, but 800 years earlier, the prophet Hosea had already said that it would happen. 
Hosea 11.1, 1, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So can you see all of these events that are lining up are so improbable. Here is a new child born 50-50, it's a boy or a girl, born in Bethlehem. Maybe there's a really, really slim chance. But not just in Bethlehem, he actually goes down to Egypt, just as the prophet said. And so now the odds are giving even shorter. Not only that, but when Herod died, they came back to Nazareth. And it says in verse 23, he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said to the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. And that is a quote from the book of Isaiah written 700 years before it happened. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, this will. It was written 700 years before when there was not even a place called Nazareth. So the odds are just getting crazily out of hand. You've got this remarkable set of circumstances. He was born in Bethlehem, maybe by a stretch of the imagination that could be a fluke. He went to Egypt to escape Herod. Then when Herod died, they came back to Nazareth. And it just so happened that 750 years before the prophet Micah had written, he will come from Bethlehem. 800 years before, Hosea had written, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And 700 years before, Isaiah had written that he would be a Nazarene. Now here's the thing. Anybody can write history after the event. And some people argue the authenticity of the Gospels. But not only does the Bible say that Jesus was born, that he lived, died and rose again from the dead, the Bible said all of that long before he actually did it. Anybody can write history after the event. I can tell you what happened yesterday, no problems. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. If you pick up a newspaper today, it will have yesterday's news or last week's news. But if you picked up today's newspaper... And it was going to tell you or it was telling you what's going to happen tomorrow or next week and that the events it wrote about actually came to pass. You'd be going, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? Who wrote this? And friends, it's exactly what we have in the Old Testament. Much of the Old Testament is next week's news written 700 or 800 or 1,000 years in advance and even more. And this story that these wise men were stepping into is a part of that. This is the story. And there's a really interesting observation in this story that Herod, when he called his chief priests together, when he called the teachers of the law and he asked them where the Christ was to be born, they knew the answer. And I find it fascinating that even though they knew the answer, they seemed to be totally indifferent about it. They were complacent. They didn't follow the wise men. They just kept on doing what they were doing. Because if you were a teacher or a, or a Pharisee, if you, were, if you were one of these learned men, your job was to know the Lord, to know the Scripture. 
And suppose that you knew that the whole theme of the writings, the whole theme of Scripture was that God would one day send a Messiah, a Redeemer, a Saviour to His people. Man, you would be living on edge every moment of every day going, I wonder when that's going to happen. Every time a child is born, I wonder if that child is the child. And then one day some Eastern strangers come. They knock on, the, on your door and they say, hey, we've seen a sign. We've followed the star. Where is this Messiah? And the king calls you in as a religious leader who knows his stuff and says, what's the answer? And you say, well, I know the answer. Uh, I know it like the back of my hand. It's in Bethlehem in Judea. Look at it. It's in the book of Micah. Don't you think that at the moment you're given that information, don't you think you would be getting down to Bethlehem as fast as you could? This is the hope of Israel. Wouldn't you think it at least pique your interest? But that they didn't. They were totally indifferent about it. Maybe they'd become skeptical. Maybe they'd waited so long they'd resign themselves to thinking, well, it's probably never going to happen. And it may be for some of us this morning that you've become maybe a little bit skeptical. Maybe you've been hurt by others. Maybe you're carrying things in your life and you just go, I just don't know where God is in all of this. Maybe you've seen in the life of somebody else the hypocrisy of somebody who professes to be Christian. And you go, well, if that's what being a Christian is, I don't want to be one. And we acknowledge that you can carry some very, very real hurts, some very real reasons to be discouraged or disillusioned. But I would encourage you today, this Christmas Day 2023, just seek after Jesus himself. Don't even seek after religion. Don't even seek after Christianity. Just seek Jesus. And I find it interesting that these magi who were from the east, they, they weren't Jewish. This was all foreign to them. And yet in this story, these foreigners who know nothing about the narrative are the ones that are so curious, the ones that are so eager to seek after him, to seek for the truth. But the scribes who were from Israel, the chief priests, they were certainly very, very Jewish. They were very familiar with all of this stuff. But for whatever reason, they didn't seem interested. And friends, we can become so familiar, even in our culture today, so familiar with the story of Christmas. But we become so familiar with it that we never seek out the God of the Christmas story, the Christ of the Christmas story. And if we don't seek after him, we're not going to find him. Now, there's a really interesting thing that we don't have time to go into today. And I'm going to ask the team to come back. But these men, these Easterners, actually found Jesus through astrology. Now, that's funny in itself because the Bible has a lot to say about astrology and it's not good. But people can start out in the wrong place, looking in the wrong place. And by the grace of God, end up in the right place. In India, I have met people who have found Jesus through Hinduism. 
because they've been seeking for something that their religion has not satisfied. And they have this revelation of Jesus. In Burma, I have met Buddhists who have found Jesus through Buddhism. They were searching for God in the wrong places. But God revealed himself to them because they were searching for the truth. And these wise men, these Persians from the East were serious about discovering God. In verse 2, when we saw his star in the East and we have come to worship him. They said, we've come to worship. We've come to step into a story that is so much bigger than us. We want to know the God who is the Alpha and the Omega, the God who is the beginning and the end. And friends, as we reflect on this story this morning, there are three ways that we can leave this building that reflect the three responses we see in this story. There were the scribes, totally indifferent about Jesus. They knew the answers, but they were complacent. There was Herod. He felt threatened by Jesus and wanted to take him out. Didn't just reject him. He wanted to destroy him. And then there were these foreigners, these wise men, these magi from the East. And they accepted him. Verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. They worshipped and they opened their treasures. That is everything that is valuable to me, I'm giving to Jesus. I'm going to live a life out of that relationship with him. But the reality is if we choose today to be indifferent about Jesus, I can't do anything about that. Nobody can do anything about that. That's your decision. If you choose to reject saying, I'm having nothing to do with this, uh, we can't do anything about that. Your choice. But if in your heart there is an awakening going on, if in your heart this morning you sense something stirring and you sense maybe a possibility, maybe even a sense of excitement or, you know, you're just curious. Maybe this morning something you've not seen before. Yes, maybe I can get to know God. Maybe my life can be connected to something that is so much bigger, so much more significant that makes my life so much more significant. Not only something that is bigger than myself, but something that gives me a hope that extends beyond this life. It's a good thing to be able to say to God, hey God, without you, really I'm lost. Great thing to say to God, come and live in my life. Cleanse me of everything that separates me from you. Cleanse me of the sin that Christ died for on the cross. Come and bring life and freedom and meaning and joy that I've never known before. And that's the invitation this morning. Will you do that? Let's pray together.